Takes me a minute to get set up up here. All right, well, good morning. You know, one of the things that I, I don't watch as much anymore, but I've enjoyed, and I'm sure some of you have, are these reality TV talent shows, right, or the music competitions. And the one that I got into a while back was like America's Got Talent. I haven't watched it in years, but I got really into it for a couple of years at least. And you just have all sorts of people from all over, you know, the, the country coming in and doing their talent, whatever it is. And they're all competing to try and win some show at Vegas, basically, or at least that's what it was in my memory. And so it, it's fun. It's always fascinating to watch because you, you get some people who come in and just blow you away with their ability. Their ability to sing, their ability to dance, and, and some of it, it's like the best thing you've ever heard. And then I also enjoy it because then you'll get others who will come in and they're terrible. And you wonder how they got on television and we just kind of all laugh at them and how bad they are. But they think they're really good. And then you have others who come in and, man, they've got a really cool talent, but it's so niche and bizarre. It's like, what am I going to do with that? Like, okay, wow, you can swallow a sword. That's pretty cool, but I, I don't know what to do with that. So, okay, see you later. And so that's kind of how those, how those work. But what I want to see this morning is we're looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and continue our series of questions and answers with the Apostle Paul. And today he's going to answer some questions we may have about spiritual gifts. And part of what I want to put before you is I think that often we are more influenced by reality television and the culture and the world's view of gifts than we are by God and what his word says about gifts. Because we really love those who are talented, and we really get obsessed over those who are especially talented, and we mock those who are less talented. And what is that? Why do we do that? And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and I want us to see what does the Apostle Paul have to say about these. And so what we're going to do first is what, first we're going to look at um, the gifts, second we're going to look at how they relate to the body, and then third we're going to look at, well, what do we do with them? So that's where we're going to be at this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, if you would turn to your Bible already, if you have not. And I'm just going to read it for us, um, read through the whole thing, which is kind of our habit, because I think it's important to get all of Paul's argument all together so you can hear it once, and then we'll kind of break it down and, and take a look at it. So if you are able, I'd invite you to stand, um, just in honor of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, another by this faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are of one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member but many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. For if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no, no division in the body, and that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together, and if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, if you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The grass withers and the flower fades, but God's word stands forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just ask that you would be here this morning. Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? Would you soften our hearts? Would you allow us this morning not to hear my words, but your words? Would you show us what it is that you have for us this morning? And would you give us the ability to live into it? And I pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Man, you can have a seat. So point number one, if you're taking notes in your bulletin, is that we all have different gifts, but the same God. So point number one is we have different gifts, but the same God. Now first, it might help us to talk a little bit about what are spiritual gifts, to kind of define that. So we're all at least on the same page as, what do I mean when I'm saying spiritual gifts? Now, there's lots of different ideas as to what the spiritual gifts are. There's lots of quizzes you can go take. Many of you have probably taken some of those before, or there's lists of what they are, or even definitions of here's what that means. But I'm going to give you my personal definition of what a spiritual gift is, so at least you can, you can go off of that. And what I think a spiritual gift is, is, a spiritual gift is any ability that we have that we use for the glory of God. It's just any ability that we have that we're using for God's glory. So what makes a gift spiritual is not so much what it is, but what we use it for. So the fact that we are using it for God and the fact that really all gifts come from Him, every ability, everything that we have as believers we know and acknowledge, isn't because of me or because of ourselves or because we're so awesome, but because our God is so gracious. So that's my definition of, of spiritual gift. And uh, this is where I'll differ from some on this, where I'll make it just, I think it's any ability we have. Because you go back to Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, you'll see God gave, he says, I gave, gave my spirit to these people so that they could make stuff with metal, so they could build the temple. And I gave my spirit to this person so that they could make stuff out of wood, so they could build the roof. 
So clearly, you can't just say, well, spiritual gifts are just the stuff Paul mentions in 12. It's just tongues and healings and maybe administrations in there for some reason. Don't know why it's in there with healing and the other stuff. But okay, you know, some will say that and just go there. But I'm, I'm unwilling to do that. You can disagree with me. You can find it. You can define it a little more narrowly. That's okay. Um, but I think spiritual gifts are not just something that even that we use inside the walls of this building even in this church body, I think they are just anything we are using with our abilities for Jesus and for his kingdom and for his glory. So that's just to lay the groundwork of, of where we're at. But what you notice with spiritual gifts or any of our gifts very quickly is not all of us are on the same level of giftedness. And not all of us have the same gifts at all, which is kind of four through six. Now, there are varieties of gifts and there are varieties of service and varieties activities. So it, it seems like the word variety is used quite a lot. And it's, it means very plainly we don't all have the same thing. We all have different gifts. One person gets the knowledge stuff, one person gets wisdom, one person gets faith, one person can heal, one person can work miracles, and one person gets administration. Okay, so, so what does it do even in that for all of us? We go, hey, wait a minute, I don't, I don't like that last one. I want some of those other gifts. Those gifts sound cooler. Those gifts sound more helpful. That gift sounds more impressive. I would like that gift. And that's kind of our problem is we want all of them. It doesn't sound fair to us that God doesn't give us all the gifts. It doesn't even say he gives them all equally. It says it is not equal, that some of you have different gifts, and some of you don't get all the ones that you want to. And even those who we might have variety of gifts, but we also know and recognize that we don't even have the same ability in all of those gifts. There are some people, they have the same gift that I do, but man, they are way better at that than I am. I thought I was good at that, but apparently not, right? Because that, that's, that's what we can do. And there's lots of people who have the gift of preaching, for example, okay? That's a gift I think I have, okay? You think I have it because you called me to be your pastor and you're still letting me be here, so you're at least affirming I've got at least a little bit of that, right? But because of technology, you could listen to some of the greatest preachers who have ever lived. Not just that are alive today, but you could go and read sermons from some of the church fathers. And if you do that and then come this morning, you'll recognize, well, there's definitely a variety here and some giftedness. Okay? They have the same gift, but some have got a little more firepower or something, it seems like, right? And we see this all the time, right? You see this especially with talent shows or these music things. There are lots of people, millions of people just in our country who are really gifted at singing. Okay, there are lots of people in our congregation who are very gifted at singing, who are wonderful at it, who serve us in that way, right? Well, you put them all in a room, you get all those millions of people together, and then all of a sudden that person who was wonderful in this room and the best, now they're compared to somebody else, and they seem terrible. They don't seem that good at all. And we kind of laugh at them. Well, my mom says I'm good. Well, you're not as good as Mariah Carey, so get out of here. You're terrible. That's kind of what we can do or the way that we view gifts, Right, is we can have a we don't like the idea that we don't all have the same gift and we don't like the idea that we aren't all as good at what we have as we wish that we were. But the key for us is to recognize that it is the same God. We focus on the gifts, but we don't focus on the God behind the gifts as much as we should. And what we see in verse 7, right, every person is given the manifestation of the Spirit. We all have the same God, and that word same is going to pop up a lot. Let me just read some of them. Verse 4, the same Spirit. Verse 5, same Lord. Verse 6, same God. Verse 7, manifestation of the Spirit. Verse 9, same Spirit. And then verse 11, again, same Spirit. Okay, that pops up over and over and over again. 
If God is repeating something, if Paul is repeating something that many times, it means we should listen to it, should pay attention. Why does it have that so often? Well, it's because, yes, we have different gifts. Yes, some of us are better than others at those gifts, but we all have the same God in us. And this is good news. This is really good news because what this means is that Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and whoever else you want to put in your list and you and me all worship the same God. Hopefully, right? Hopefully that's true of us. But what that also means is that those people who are way more gifted in some ways than you and I could ever dream of being do not have more of God than you and I do. And just because you're less gifted than someone else doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean that God loves you less or that you've missed out on something. It actually means we all have the same access to that same God of the universe. Those people that we're tempted to be jealous of or we long to trade places with, even that, that most incredible, your favorite preacher that you love listening to. It's okay, you don't have to admit that it's not me. It's not going to hurt my feelings, okay? I'm not my favorite preacher either. So you think of your favorite one. You have just as much of the Holy Spirit as that person does. You have the same access to God that they do. And though our gifts can vary in impressiveness and ability, they're all coming from the same exact power source. Like you, if you're like me, you have lots of stuff in your house that you plug into the wall, into some outlets, right? You got plenty of appliances, you got plenty of, plenty of junk. Maybe plenty of junk. Maybe you're better than me. You don't have as much junk. But some of the stuff that we have that we plug in is really impressive, right? It's some of the big, powerful stuff. It racks up our electric bill, your, your washer, your dryer, your fridge. Those things are really powerful, really useful, really helpful. You have other stuff that's kind of helpful, but maybe not quite as impressive. You know, my, my cell phone charger, that clock that's in a room that I never go into, but it's plugged in there and I forget that it's in there. Okay, so some things are, are really impressive. Okay, but here's the deal. All of those, everything that's plugged into my house is getting its power from the same source. And those things that seem really impressive, if I unplug my fridge, suddenly it's not that impressive anymore. Suddenly it's just a big hunk of junk that i got to figure out how to get it out of my wall, out of my house, because it can't do anything. Well, the same thing is true of us. All of our gifts, every ability that we have is coming from the same power source as believers. It is all coming from the Holy Spirit and from the God of the universe. And without him, we're just like an unplugged fridge. We're, we're in trouble and we've got a whole lot of nothing. And what that also means is the same power that was in all of those people in the Bible lives in us as well. And we have access to it because we worship the same God. The same God that gave Peter the ability to walk on water is with you. The same God that gave Abraham faith to sacrifice his son, not knowing what God is going to do, lives in you. The same God that gave Samson strength to pull down buildings, the same God who gave David the gift of poetry, the same God who gave Solomon more wisdom than you could ever dream, the same God who gave Martin Luther boldness, the same God who gave Billy Graham the ability to preach, the same God who gave Bonhoeffer strength and bravery to stand up to Nazi Germany, the same God who gave Dr. King the ability to speak and to preach, the same God who gifted Flannery O'Connor away with words, the same God who was with Elizabeth Elliot and her faith, the same God with Lottie Moon, the same God of Mary, Jesus' mother, who gave her the faith as a child to trust him in his word. That same God gives you your gifts. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. 
but we all worship the same God. And that's important. And what we need to do, what we need to take from that, is we should not look at our own gifts to try to determine our value in God's kingdom. But that's what we do. We can't help it. That's the way our society works. We're a meritocracy. We're based on talent and giftedness. The most talented should get all the most stuff, and those who aren't that talented, they shouldn't get as much stuff. That's kind of, generally speaking, how we do it. But we cannot compare, and what we should not do is try to see, well, how much has God given me? And then say, well, that must be how much God loves me then. He gave them a lot more than me. He must not love me as much. It also means we shouldn't beat ourselves up just because we're not as gifted as someone else. That's the wrong way to view this. God's saying he does this on purpose. And it actually, it's kind of a good news if you're not as gifted as someone else. Because Luke 12, 48, it actually warns us that to whom much is given, much is required. So those who have a lot of gifts, those who have a lot of money, those who have a lot of influence, those who have a lot of power, are actually under greater judgment from God and have a greater responsibility to use it in a way that honors Him. So having greater gifts, having more gifts, brings more scrutiny and judgment from God. So there will come a day, I think, when all of us are face-to-face with our Savior, Lord willing, we might actually thank Him for not giving us too many gifts. And say, you know what, I barely handled what you gave me, now that I see how I turned out. Thank you very much, this was good actually. If you would have given me less, that would have been great too, because now I'm seeing how this kind of works. So what I think we should do is we should not look at our own gifts, we need to be looking at our God. And we should ask and think, well, how can I use these gifts that he's given me for his glory? So that's point number one. We have different gifts, but we have the same God. Point number two, if you're taking notes, is that the body of Christ needs every gift. The body of Christ needs every single gift. And Paul uses this really extended metaphor kind of from 12 to the end to talk about the body. Uh, in the body of Christ. And this is one of the main descriptions that the New Testament and Paul often uses to describe the church is that we are a church body. And it's used so much that all of us are familiar with it, if you've grown up in church or been around church a while, that it, it can make us kind of, we, we just skip by it because we kind of assume what it means. We assume we know, right? That all of us, we're, we're different members or different limbs or different body parts, but, you know, smash us all together and then we make the church body. And that's kind of what we do. We go, okay, that's cool. And this metaphor was familiar to the church in Corinth as well. It was actually, Paul didn't invent this. This was something other people were using. And he was actually borrowing from metaphors of the world and philosophers and the way that they would describe how the world was set up. And what the world would do is they would use this metaphor and say, hey, we're all members of the body. We're all, we're all different body parts. And there are lower body parts that aren't important, and there are big body parts that are more important. And that's what it is. And so they would use this to explain kind of their hierarchy at the time. They'd say, well, this is why slavery is fine. You're a lower body part. This is why women aren't as important as men. You're just one of those lesser body parts. This is why the rich are way more important than the poor, and I'm super gifted, so I'm the biggest body part, and you just, you've got to do that. And so that's what they would do. They'd say, look at the body parts. Some are more important than others. The head's the most important, and that's me. And so the metaphor isn't about how we use our gifts to serve in the world, or it is, but how it is is you serve me because I'm the most important, so get to work. That's how the world would use this. And so Paul takes that, and he just flips it upside down completely on its head. And what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? It means that we all need each other. It doesn't mean that one part is more significant than the other. Paul says, no, no, no. Each part is actually just as significant. And more than that, it's actually the parts you don't think are that significant are the most significant. 
I'm getting ahead of myself. From 14. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Well, I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That doesn't make it any less a part of the body. Paul's point is that the body of Christ needs all of us. That all of our gifts, whatever they are, however big, however small, are significant and important. And the importance doesn't lie in how great our giftedness is or even what it is. It could be the worst gift that you have on your list with the least amount of ability. But the fact that you are a part of a body is what makes it significant. It's just your existence. It's just your participation as being a body part, as a member of the body of Christ that gives it meaning. Now, what does this mean? Part of what this means is that you aren't allowed to say that, well, I'm not really serving, don't have a lot of gifts, so I can't really do anything then. It also means you're not allowed to say, well, I, you know, I can't really sing up on stage, so I'm not a part of the church. Or, well, you know, I'm not really gifted or probably called to be an elder, so I, I guess I don't have that much input on how the church is going to go. You know, well, I, I'm new to the church here, and it seems like everyone's kind of been here a long time. They've got their own thing going. They're all kind of friends. I don't know what to do here. I guess I'm not really a part of the body. They, they don't need me. The body doesn't consist of one person, but many. And every single person, every single body part is needed to make up the body of Christ. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged each member of the body and each one of them as he chose. What this also means is you can't look at your gift and say that you're not important. But that's what we do. That's what we do all the time. We, we rank our gifts or we, we come up with a list of spiritual gifts and put them at the top of most important to the church, however you want to do that. And then we try and find ourselves in there and then say, well, I'm kind of in the middle, so I guess I'm significant, maybe, or well, I'm at the end, but there's already people with that gift, so I, I guess there's no need for me. I can kind of move on. But Paul warns us against that. And he tells us, hey, we have to have variety. There has to be people with different gifts. It doesn't work. If, there's, if the body is just a bunch of eyeballs, it's going to be weird. It's not going to look good. It's going to look like one of the angels from Ezekiel, which is terrifying. Okay, don't try and paint that. But here, here's another way to put that together. If you have a whole church body and it's all made up of preachers, how do you think Sunday morning is going to go? It's going to be weird. Okay, there's going to be a lot of people taking notes and probably, you know, a lot, of, a lot of criticism, a lot of ways to fix it, a lot of comp competing, okay? Well, who's going to sing? Who's going to serve with the children? Who's going to do all the other things you need? You can't have a church where it's just a bunch of people who their only gift is preaching. Because not everybody gets to use their gift in the same exact way. And the church has a lot of things that need done and a lot of things that serve the body and a lot of things that are significant. All of them are important. But if everybody has the exact same gift the exact same ability in the gift, and they're, they're all together, it, it's going to be a misshaped church. It is going to be a funky-looking body. It's going to be deformed and weird. But Paul also warns us 
that we can't tell people we don't need them. This is one thing that I, I don't love about this verse. What I lo would love for this passage is if I could just take it and say, see, this is why you all have to serve and you all have to do the things that me and the elders tell you to do and don't worry, I've got a list, so sign up because I've got a list of who's not doing things and I've got a spot for you, so that's, that's what you need to do. And if you're not doing this, you're not a part of the body and you're in trouble. Okay, I wish this passage said that because that would make my job easier, right? That'd be good. But it doesn't say that. In fact, Paul goes too far the other way in my mind. He says, well, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor to. What Paul says is, well, those gifts that aren't that valuable are actually the most important. Those people who are on the end of our list you know, however you want to rank your spiritual gifts, the one that you put at the bottom, maybe we need one of those somewhere, maybe. But thank the Lord, it's not me, because that gift stinks. Paul says, no, those are the most significant and more important. Or we may even be bold enough, if we're honest, to put a person on that list. If we're ranking people who are gifted, or someone new comes in the door, and we start thinking, well, okay, well, hopefully they stay, because we've got this place and this place. Oh, wow, they have that gift. Now I'm way more excited. I really hope they come and plug into our church, because that gift is really important. Okay, that, If we're honest, that's what we can do. That's our human nature. But then we also will do is say, well, that person's really not that gifted at anything. Actually, wow, they want to serve. I wish they would stop serving because their gift is terrible and they're, they're really making a mess. They're, they're causing issues here. Okay, that, that's what we do, if we're honest. Well, Paul says this, no, 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 no. Every part of the body, and especially those parts of the body you think are insignificant are actually indispensable. The person that you think is annoying, that maybe you wish would stop coming or go away, that you find draining is an indispensable part of the body. And it's those people that are actually the most indispensable, not the person who's most important or most significant or seems to be on stage the most. It's, it's not me that's the most indispensable part of the body. It's those at the bottom. That's what God's Word says. Now, I'm not very good at uh, biology or anatomy. Okay, I only passed those classes even in high school because I was begging a girl named Molly to tutor me and just tell me what in the world is a teacher saying, I don't understand any of this. Okay, so my, take, take what I'm about to say with a big grain of salt that I don't understand biology. Okay, but so if I took this, because I have a very limited understanding of how the human body works, and I decide I'm going to take a knife and just cut out some of my body parts that I just don't think are very important. Okay, well, don't really need this. Just cut myself out. I don't see what that is. I've never seen that before. Don't know what that does. I'm just going to go ahead and take that out and throw that away. Okay, how do you think that's going to go? Other than the fact that I really don't do blood at all, so I'd pass out and would never do this at all. I don't even, Bree doesn't let me cut onions because I cut my hand once and it, you know, led to, that's a longer story. So <laughs> this wouldn't happen. But if that did, how do you think that's going to happen? It's going to go horrible. I'm going to have some very serious health problems because I'm going to cut something out of my body that is way more significant than I think it is because I'm an idiot and don't know what I'm doing and don't know how to evaluate what's going on in here. I think that's true for us spiritually as well, that there are some people and there are some gifts in our body that we may think that person isn't that important. We might think that that gift is not that significant. That gift is not that important. And, you know, if we could just cut them out and just get rid of them, get rid of that, nothing really would be lost. It may even be better. But I think what this tells us is our spiritual health would suffer. Because the body needs every single gift. Every single gift helps make the church body what it is. And it helps us be more like Jesus. Because we can't really do it on our own. We need each other.
You can think of a, a movie or of a television show. If you've ever watched a movie recently or been a long time, right at the end of the film, there's the credits, okay, where all those names are just rolling for like 10 plus minutes. And that's when we all stand up in the movie theater and leave. Or when we turn it off, if it's on our television, and we go about our day. We went, I don't know all these names. Off. Get this out of here. But if you ever sat there and watched it, what, what's going on is you're just getting bombarded for 10 minutes of names of hundreds of people who were involved in making what you just saw happen. Okay, and I, I'm really into film and a movie, so I, I know maybe more names than some of you who don't. But really, when I'm watching a movie, I still, I, I might know a bunch of the actors' names, which is really, I know the main actors' names, maybe some of the side ones, because they're a main actor in something else. Maybe really good, and I know the director and the writer, and maybe I've got really nerdy, I even know who the cinematographer is. Okay, but once you start going on to like name 50 plus, I don't know who that is. I've never seen that name before. I don't even know what that job is. But what is that? And as I found, the average amount of people who work on the, the, just the average movie is about 280. That's a lot of people working behind the scenes to make an hour and a half, two hour thing that you see that you really only recognize four names in it. Or maybe just one, because that's your favorite actor or actress. How much more true is that of the church? Where the final product, where, where the body that we are to be is really made up of not the most significant names or significant gifts that we see, but is all of the things behind the scenes, all of the people that come together at every part to make it what it is. And what this means is that every single one of you who are a part of our church family here are a vital piece in making us who we are that it would not be the same body without you. Whether you're the first name on the list of the credits or at the very end before it shuts off, all of us are important. And what we do is we take the world's cue and we say, well, the first name's the most important and everyone else is expendable. What Paul tells us is, no, those parts that seem weaker are indispensable. That every single one of us makes up the body of Jesus. And so point number three, our last point here is that we should use our gifts for the body. We should use our gifts for the body. This is really just part of our application, and I'm taking a lot of it from verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good. It's to serve each other. It's to serve Jesus. It's to serve for His glory, and it's to serve for His kingdom. We don't get the gifts for ourselves. What this means is our, our gift is not for you. God has not given you the abilities that he's given you and the way that he's given it so that you can get as rich as possible. He's not given you the, the gifts and the abilities so that you can build the biggest business that anyone's ever seen. It's not so that you can be on stage at the talent show and be celebrated more than everybody else and get the biggest ribbon. And everyone can come and clap and celebrate how awesome you are. He hasn't given you the gifts that he's given you or the gifts that he's given us for ourselves, but for Others. For others. But the world tells us is no, you gotta look out for number one. Or the most important thing with your gift is that you express yourself, that you that you use it all the time in a way that makes you happy, in a way that pleases you the most, in a way it satisfies you. But no, what we need to do with our gifts is not to serve ourselves, but to seek the common good. The good of Jesus' body and the good of the kingdom and the good of each other. It's not all about me. 
It's not all about you. It's about how can we come and how can we serve each other. And kind of in 25, 26, God does this this way. He has set us up. He has given us different gifts so that we need each other. 25, that there may be no division in the body and that members may have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers, all suffer together, and if another is honored, all rejoice together. If someone is in trouble and suffers, all the body comes together to care for them because we're all a part of the body, and what hurts them hurts me too. So also means if one person's honored, all of us rejoice together. If one person gets to be on stage and be celebrated for their gift, we don't engage in jealousy and anger that why can't it be me? I wish that was me and let's try and take them down a peg. It's we rejoice because that's all. if they're being celebrated, I'm a part of the body. It's really about us together as well. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and it's about his church. Because it's his, it's not ours. So what we need to do is we need to use our gifts, whatever they are, for the good of the body of Christ and for Jesus and for his glory. So whatever your gift is, in whatever area, whatever you may feel like you have no gifts, but you do. And whatever they are, what we need to do is we need to use them, not just in here in his church, but in our lives and our community for Jesus. And so many of you do this. So many of you, all, all, every single one of you really serve and use your gifts in a way that helps Tanglewood be what it is. I'm going to just go through a, a number of ways that this happens. Our, our worship, the way that Lana has stepped up to help us lead and put her time and effort into that, the way that Dale and Sue and Nicole and Connie and Jeff and Hannah, the way that you serve, you use your gifts to serve us, to help us worship. Our worship is better because you are a part of it. And we need you to be a part of it. Our, our, our tech stuff, David Yeager and Wolfgang and Tommy, if you weren't back there helping it happen, you probably couldn't hear me very well because I'm not that loud. I need a microphone so that you can hear me. And the music wouldn't quite sound as good. And those who aren't able to be with us over the past year because of coronavirus, we, we would be in trouble without their gifts. Our nursery workers in the back, those who, are, who have taught our children and are back there right now teaching our children, helping them, teaching them about Jesus, that's significant. That's important. We couldn't be in here without that. And we would be neglecting part of the body if we weren't doing that. Those who, who come early and who greet and who open doors, who help people, especially visitors, when they come in the door, feel welcome and be loved. That's part of the body. And my wife, she, she does a lot behind the scenes as well. She helps make these slides that you look at. They look nice because she did it, not because I did it. So be impressed by her. And printing the bulletins as those are there because she does that on Saturday. Our Bible studies, our different women's ministry, all the women who serve and lead those Bible studies, the committee that you have over that, even just those who are going and attending. Women's Bible study couldn't happen unless you were a part of it, unless you were there. And our men's Bible study that Wolfgang leads and takes time out of his day and his work to, to prepare and to do that for us. That our prayer team, those who... You know, it's not even official to call it a prayer team, I don't think. But those of you who are on those emails, who, who pray for each other, who lift each other up, who share those prayer requests, who check in because somebody shared something a couple of weeks ago and you haven't heard and you want to go hear about that. 
that we have, have men in our church who are going and who are, are driving and picking up those who need rides to be able to be here and worship with us this morning. That is using your gift. Our elders, Dale and Mike and Homer and Sydney, do so much behind the scenes, not just on Sunday as, as they serve and lock up and, and give announcements and read God's word, but in the way that they lead and the way that they pray for us and in the way that they do all sorts of things behind the scenes for you. And their wives who also serve in so many different ways. I know I, I couldn't possibly list all of them, though I'm trying to list many of them. I know Wendy, the, what she does with the newsletter that you have this morning, and Carol, who helps a lot to put that together, and many of you who contribute in other ways to it as well so that you can have that and be served. The, our building, the, the way that Danny Pollock does so much behind the scenes to, to keep our pro take care of our property and, and manage it well. There's very many times during the week when I come in and he's here before me and he's chopping down stuff on the limbs and cleaning up and fixing something I didn't even know was broken. That I know so many women and others who, who have come, just the ones that I've seen, Kyleen and Pam and Debbie, I've seen how you've come and taken care of our plants and you've made our, our service beautiful and, and helped to the decor, and I'm sure others do that that I don't even know. Those who serve on our pastor search team, Lana and Tom and Michelle and Mike and Doug, who, who are serving and using your gifts to help us find a family pastor, dude, it's going to be much better and we will do a better job finding that person because it's not just me and not just Mike, that it's all of us together with our different gifts. And th those who give financially as well, you know, I, I don't like talking about money and we don't really talk about money a lot at TBF, but I, I'm amazed consistently at how generous of a church that this is. And the fact is that when you are, are giving here to our church, that is using part of your gifts and using part of who you are. And our church can exist, and I can be here because you do that. Those are just uh, some of the many ways, and there's so many that I can't even mention or see or don't even know about because you're doing and serving things behind the scenes that I wouldn't even ever hear about unless you told me and you don't want to. One of the things I love about being a pastor here is, you know, yeah, we're, we're a small church in a big pond. There's 80 plus other churches in town. But what I'm amazed at is the amount of people who, when I meet them in the community, because I'm still new, who tell me they've already heard of us. And it's not because they've seen our sign or because they've driven by. It's rarely because of that. It's almost always because they know somebody who's here because they know somebody who's a part of this church. And what they almost always say is, man, yes, I know Tanglewood. That is such a wonderful church. I just hear amazing things about how kind and loving and generous y'all are. People who are familiar, who have heard of our body, say that, you know, I, I don't know everything about that body, but I know the parts that I know are beautiful and wonderful, and I like it. That's a good thing. And that's you. That doesn't have much to do with me. I haven't been here long enough to have a reputation in the community, right? But all of you, all of us play a vital role in making our church body what it is. And it wouldn't be that without you. And so as part of that, you know, if you're, you're not currently doing or serving or helping behind the scenes somewhere, I know almost all of you are, but we need you. Uh, come, hell, we're not a very stuck-up church. We don't have it all together either. There's plenty of areas we definitely need some help. There's areas I need help. Don't feel like you have nothing to offer. The fact that you're sitting in this room right now, your, your presence is a blessing. 
And you being here makes you a part of the body, and you already are indispensable by you being a part of our family. You don't, you, this is another thing, too. You don't have to be the most amazing person in the world to serve Jesus and his people. You also don't have to be serving Jesus and his people in a, in a tangible way that we can all point to in order for you to be an important, important part of our body. Some of you in this room might not be serving right now, and that's for a good reason. You're going through a particularly difficult season of life. Your health is failing, and it's a struggle. And for some, it's a struggle to even be here on Sunday morning because of the things that are going on in your life. I want you to know, too, I don't want you to feel like I'm beating up on you. So please do not hear that. Don't feel like I just did all of this to, to convict you and make you feel bad and tell you you need to. I've got a list of things for you to do, so please come do them. That's not it. Verse 26 reminds us again, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all of us rejoice together. Some of you, your gift and your participation in the body is just existing and just being here and just being a part of it. And that's what, and that's beautiful. And also for some of it, it's you allowing us to participate in your suffering, allowing us just to know how hard life is for you right now. Even if you feel like you're just a drain on the body, you're not a drain on the body. You're one of the most important, indispensable pieces. Your participation or membership or being a part of the family at Tanglewood Bible Fellowship isn't about what you do. It's just about being a part of our family. You can't earn it. We don't have a punch card of here's the 20 things you got to do before you can get in the club and then we'll love you and take care of you. No, you just need to be, just be here and be present. So we've talked about this morning is kind of give you a summary. One, if we just looked at how, yes, we all have different gifts, but we all have the same God. And number two, we've looked at how the body needs every single gift, that all of us are indispensable. And for some, the most insignificant or things we think are the least important are actually the most vital to God's kingdom and to helping us be healthy. And lastly, we've just seen that we need to use our gifts and to use them for our body. And I hope for, for many of you, I just want to say thank you, and I hope that you are encouraged to know that what you do matters. What Your presence being here is significant and is important. And I want you to know that you are vital to the kingdom of God. And for others of you who may feel like you're not vital and you don't have anything to offer, I want to encourage you. No, you do. You already are. So come, get, get more involved. Help us more. I'd love to, to talk to you. We can figure out how you can do that. But for those of you who, who are serving already, I just hope that you are encouraged and see how indispensable and important and significant you are. Not because of what you do, but because who, of who your God is because who he invites you to participate in. So I'm going to close this in prayer. I'll invite our worship team to come back up and to, to lead us one more time in song. Lord, I just thank you. Um, I thank you in your grace, Lord, that you have given all of us gifts and abilities, not based on our, our merit or not based on how good or awesome we are, but just based on your grace. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would help us to be a healthy body or a more healthy body. Lord, would you show us how all of us play a vital role in, in your kingdom? 
when we do and when we use our spiritual gifts for you. Lord, would you help us do that? Lord, would you, would you elevate us? Would you encourage us? Would you remind us? Would you help us not be distracted or not use the world's criteria of what real gifts are, what real talent is, or who really matters? Would you help us see that in your kingdom, it's all upside down? That those who seem the most significant, the most draining, the, the least helpful, the least gifted are actually the most important and the most indispensable. Lord, would you continue to be in our church body? Would you aid us? Would you help us? Would you help all of us continue to find ways that we work together to glorify you, to worship you, not just here in this room on Sunday, but the rest of the week as we go out into the community and use our gifts and serve you in every place that we find ourselves. We just pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Can stand as we'll continue to, to sing through song. And, and that will be a glorious day because then you will get to be with the God who loves you so deeply. Hear this benediction from the end of 1 Corinthians 16, 23 and 24. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.